You are listening to the Restoration LA podcast. For more, visit us at restorationla.org. We um, we were on vacation for uh, a few weeks, and before those few weeks of vacation, we were doing ministry. We did ministry at Impact Rock with uh, Mark and Kara Harper, and it was awesome to be there with them. And then we were a part of the Chicago Equip, and it was amazing to see so many of you um, who went to the Chicago Equip and be encouraged and strengthened there. And we had the opportunity to minister minister there as well. And then we went on a vacation with our kids, and so we went out and saw some family in Maryland, and then toured the East Coast together in, in, in a in a vehicle. Um, and so it was it was it was awesome. As as crazy as it could sound, you guys know my kids. Uh, it was it was awesome. We we really enjoyed our time. Um, had had an opportunity to rest mentally, which is really good. Um, didn't didn't rest much physically because it was busy. I mean, we were in New York and Philly and DC and Boston and Niagara Falls. And uh, so it was, it was really cool. Um, and then uh, Vanessa um, loves to watch our services online. Uh, and so she, at one point she tried to play it and I was like, you're going to have to turn it off. And the reason why I had asked her to turn it off is not because I don't miss you and not because I don't love you, but it's because my kind of innate concern for the life of the church will just, it'll just shoot through the roof. And so if I'm listening and, 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 and then I'm like, all right, now I want to see and, you know, who's not in the room and, and what's going on and has anyone changed that one light bulb on the Jesus sign? And, you know, I, 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 I start. <laughs> um. But as a shepherd, I have constant concern for your lives. Um, I have concerns for your marriages, for your kids, for your, for your finances, for your spiritual maturity. And, you know, all these questions arise, you know, is, is, um, how, are, how are the newlyweds doing? And, you know, how is, how is that person who is fighting addiction, how are they doing? And how, you know, that person who's looking for financial breakthrough, how are they doing? I just, you just, you know, it's, it's never ending. And so... Um, being charged by God to love and lead alongside of our elders here in the life of this church. It's, it's, it's a privilege. It's a privilege um, to do that. And I, um, I have been charged to carry concern for your lives as a church, but I haven't been charged to carry fear for your lives. And I think sometimes as pastors, we can fall into that. You know, we fall into fear, you know, fear of, of, of the unknown. And uh, if, you, if, if you're a parent in this room, you know what that feels like. And uh, so uh, shepherding carries a lot of attributes of parenting. Shepherding is not parenting because we're not your parents. But the concern that we carry, it's the concerns that keep you up at night in bed as you're thinking about, you know, those who, who have been put in your charge to, to love and to lead and and so this is part of the, the condition of, of being a pastor. And so um, have, having a bit of break of that was hard, um, but I was extremely grateful because we were extremely grateful because we know that we left you in such good hands. I'm so thankful for the eldership team that God has given us here at Restoration LA. Um, I, I've, I've been around many, many pastors in my life. I mean, I've been, grew up as a PK and so I've seen 
what pastors who operate under fear look like, and it's not pretty. And so um, as, as we are learning and growing, uh, that's something that we don't want to do is, is pastor out of fear and, or shepherd out of fear. Uh, some of those fears can, can get the best of you. you know, how many of you have fears and sometimes those, those fears can get the best of you? Right? Leading a church is not easy. Being a pastor in a church is not easy. You're, you're contending with so many things. You know, is, you know, is this person offended? Is that person backsliding? You know, this family hasn't been in church for weeks and they haven't answered any of our communication. Is this person leaving the church? Did our, did our visitors hate the church? Uh, was my preach too long? Was it, was it too strong? Was it unclear? Was, was our worship too loud? Or are we going to be able to pay our staff this month? Or, or, or did I give that person the right biblical advice? I mean, there's just so many fears that pastors can operate under. And I, I think um, it can crush the best of pastors. Uh, but when we operate in faith, and I believe the biblical pattern, when we operate in team, I think it, it gives us just uh, that much more opportunity um, to take some breaks like Vanessa and I did. And so I um, am thankful. Um, I'm thankful for this eldership team. Um, being an elder in the life of the church is no, is no easy thing. And I think um, sometimes when we um, are so close and so personal with uh, maybe elders and eldership couples like we are here in the life of our church, uh, I think sometimes we can become really familiar or, or, or too familiar with, with elders or uh, with pastors. When I, when I say elders, I, I hope you know by now that we, when we say elders, we are also talking about pastors here in the life of our church. Pastors' are, lives are held to a higher standard. And it's not because pastors are better, and it's not because pastors are more valuable than any other person in the life of the church, but it's because this is what's biblically prescribed by the Lord. So you, you don't have to have a good marriage to be a Christian, but you must in order to be a pastor in the life of a church. You don't have to have reverent, obedient children to be a Christian. But if you're going to lead in God's church, you have to. You can drink a little bit too much on Saturday night and still roll into church and worship on Sunday morning. Pastors don't get that option. Some of you might want it. You can't do it. Sorry. They have, they, they have, to, watch their, they have to watch their attitudes. They have to live above reproach inside and outside of the church. They can't be quarrelsome. They must be self-controlled. They also need to love having people in their house, even when they're not ready for them. If that's not enough, they must be financially stable, not overwhelmed with debt, and actually live generous lives. This is, this is what elders and pastors, uh, the standard the Lord gives us. I'm sharing this this morning um, just with an overwhelming sense of gratitude for this team that we serve with. This isn't my message this morning, just so you guys know. So don't start the clock yet. Here we go. As I was away, as I was away, I was just really just praying for our team, thankful for our team, knowing that you're in good hands, knowing what these men and women give to serve the life of this church. Now, if, if you don't know this, I'm, I'm the only employed elder in the life of RLA. All of our other pastors here at RLA, they're, they're not employed by the church. 
they have outside jobs. They, they work nine to five jobs, if not more, outside of here. Some of them have their own um, small businesses that they do on the side. They have their children. They're paying their rent and their mortgage. They're, they're, they're fighting to put food on the table just like everyone else. And they still have the time to live effective lives to lead and love this local church. And that's a powerful thing. And so I don't know if every one of you is in the room today. Where's Steve? Steve's not here. He went to go help. See, that's what they do. Anyways, I, uh, you guys can give Steve some love. Is Brett in the room? Brett. Brett and Ken and Annette. And, and where's Kathy? And Jessica. Why don't you stay? Uh, they're all upstairs. Um, they don't want to stand. That's how they are. So. <laughs> uh, there isn't a day that goes by that I'm not, I'm not thankful for this team. Um, so I, I definitely wanted to just recognize and give them, give them honor. I, I believe a church our size should actually be able to afford uh, another full-time elder by now. It's not the case yet. It's a, it, it's a consistent prayer of mine that we will be able to, to hire and pay another elder enough money to provide for his family and not have to work another job. It's a consistent prayer of mine. And as we grow, we're going to need that. We need men who can give themselves totally to what God is doing in the life of this church. And so uh, we believe in a plurality of elders, how many of you know that? That we believe in a plurality of elders. We, we believe that because the Bible prescribes that. When, when the apostles are commissioned to go and, and ordain pastors in these regions, it's ordained elders, not one guy. And I hope by now that you understand this, this interchangeable wordplay between elder and pastor. Um, to say that I am a pastor and that Steve, Brett, and, and Ken our elders would be unbiblical. We are all elders and we all pastor. This is what we do. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1 through 4, it says this, so I exhort the elders among you. And I know that word elder, it seems, it seems so, so much more kind of official, seems kind of old. Um, if, there's a, 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 if there's a senior elder on our team, it would be Ken. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, What's amazing, though, is he, he looks the best. I mean, his, <laughs> so listen, I, this, is, this is the Apostle Peter saying, I exhort the elders amongst you as a fellow elder and a witness, listen, of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. And this is what he says in verse 2. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. And so we see that word overseeing. Not under compulsion, but willing as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, when Jesus appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. And so we see that word uh, elder, it's, it's presbyteros. That's the word that we see for the, the office of elder in the life of the church. We don't see the word pastor as, as an office. When we see the word shepherd, the shepherd is not saying what someone is. The word shepherd we see in scripture is saying what someone does. So past elders shepherd. The overseers in the church actually shepherd and lead God's people. Acts 20, 28. 
Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseer. And that word overseer there is episkopos. It's the same word, it's the same office of elder there. Listen to this. Take care, or I'm sorry, to care for the church of God. That word care there is shepherding. It's poiomaino. Uh, um, if Vicky was here, she would correct my Greek. Um, which he obtained with his own blood. And so elders, pastors here in the life of our church are, have been given charge to love and care for your lives. And um, I really believe that our team does it so well. And so uh, I am thankful for that. This isn't my message, as I said this morning, but I'm just bringing this to our attention because I think um, where we're going as a church, and, and if we're going to be the church that Jesus is building, I think that there needs to be uh, more clarity and understanding in our ecclesiology. And what I mean by ecclesiology, I mean how we do church. And I know we've preached about some of these things in the past, and I've taught some of these things in the past, but I, as, as we've had an influx of new people here in the life of the church, I think we all need to have an understanding of how we actually do church. You're not going to see a senior pastor here at Restoration LA. And the reason why you're not going to see a senior pastor here at Restoration LA is because there's no such thing in the scriptures. You're not going to see an associate pastor here at Restoration LA. And why there's no associate pastor at Restoration LA is because, again, we don't see it in scripture. You're not going to see a founding pastor. You're not going to see the head deacon. And you're definitely not going to see a super usher. You're not going to see those guys here, <laughs> here in the church. You're not going to see any pastor have a parking space. It, it, listen, the, the, the American culture is consumed. Friends, it is consumed with positional leadership. And it's unbiblical. And because of that, we, we, we just don't fall into those things. I don't think that those things are, are, are heresy. And I don't think anyone who has a senior pastor, or, you know, I don't think that, that their church is, is all bad and they're all going to hell. I'm not saying those things. I'm just saying for us as Restoration LA, we want to be a biblical church. And if we're going to be a biblical church, then we have to look at what happens in Scripture and we have to try to model that to the best of our ability. Unfortunately, the church plays too, caters too much to the culture. And the culture wants a rock star pastor. A culture walks into a room and they say, we want to know who the guy is in charge because we want to know who's the person we're actually following. And just so you know, the person you're actually following, if you don't know who he is yet, we put his name in lights for each and every one of you. So as soon as you walk in the room, you know who leads this church. His name is Jesus. This is who we are and this is who we're always going to be and this is who we're always going to be about. It's about Jesus. That being said, I can start my preach now. Are you okay with that? <laughs> Listen, if we're going to be the church Jesus is building, we must contend to be a biblical people, right? And I don't, I don't believe everything in Scripture is prescriptive um, to, to every individual at all times, which means you can't just grab any verse and say, okay, that verse is for me, it's mine, I'm running with it. I don't believe that. But I do believe that the New Testament is absolutely the blueprint of who we are supposed to be as a church, and so if we look at the New Testament and we say, hey, this is what we've seen in Scripture, and so this is what we want to walk out, and this is what we want to model. And so today I'm starting a two-part um, sermon on the church that Jesus is building. Are you guys cool with that? Today is only two points, so I'm going to get you out of here on time, I promise you. All right, so the church that Jesus is building, number one, I'm going to start with my points first. I normally do them last 
We're going to start first. I'm, I'm going to throw you for a loop. I'm telling you, God's changed me on vacation. Here we go. So the church that Jesus is building, number one, must recognize that Jesus is building the church. If we're going to be the church that Jesus is building, then we have to recognize that Jesus is building the church. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18 says this, and I tell you that you are Peter. How many of you know this verse? You are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, I've preached on this portion of text in the past, and we've given a significant amount of time to what has taken place before this. Peter confesses that Jesus is the Messiah. So Jesus is asking all the disciples, who do people say that I am? And the world and the, around, the culture around was confused by who Jesus was. Some said, oh, he's a teacher. Some said, oh, he's a prophet. Some say, oh, he's, a, he's a, a, a Moses or Elijah. But it was Peter who had a revelation that Jesus was the Messiah. Christ, the son of the living God. And so because of his revelation, Jesus gives Peter some attention. And he says, oh, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because man has not revealed this to you, but my God, our, my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. And he said, because of this revelation, and upon this revelation, I tell you that you are Peter. He changes his name. He used to be Simon. And that word Simon means a reed. A reed, if you know, it's like a bamboo shoot. It blows in the wind. You know, when the culture change, you change. When, when, you know, when the political climate changes, you change. And when everyone says left, you go left. And everyone says go right, you go right. Peter used to go with the flow, and he says, you're no longer Simon. You're Peter. That word Peter, Petros, means a rock. He gave him a, he gave him a new identity. And he says this, upon this rock, Peter, not upon Peter, but upon his revelation, I will build my church. And this is what we're going to focus on. Jesus saying that I will build my church. And listen to this. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The church that Jesus is building, the gates of hell aren't going to be able to prevail against it. How many of you can say amen to that? So who's building the church? Jesus. Jesus is building the church. Problem is, friends, especially here in the American culture. The American culture doesn't like the way Jesus is building. I don't know how many of you, you know, really feel tapped into your American culture, but the American culture, we, we build amazing things. I mean, if there was a modern Tower of Babel, it would be the United States of America. We are able to accomplish amazing stuff. This is what we did. we've done throughout our history. We've built amazing things. We know how to build. And we love to put our hands to things in a way that makes us comfortable. This is the American way. This is the American dream, Right? To have a comfortable house with a white picket fence and a dog. And I think it's 2.3 kids. I think that's the average number. I don't know how you have a third of a kid, but you can work that out. We've bought in to that Field of Dreams philosophy. How many of you remember that movie, Field of Dreams? So Jesus says, I will build my church. Field of Dreams, if you don't know anything about it, um, Kevin Costner uh, 
he, he's, a, he's a farmer. I think he's in Iowa. And he's got this, you know, and, and he has these, you know, I'm, 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 I'm just reading into it. You know, he has some detachment issues from his father uh, who passed away. And he, he used to play baseball with his dad. And there's all this disconnect. And, you know, he's not content with his life. And, you know, it's all this stuff happening. So he's out in the field one day. And he has this kind of supernatural experience. And this voice whispers, if you build it, they will come. Kevin's like, what the heck? What's happening? Right? But it's that philosophy that I really believe that the, that the, that the American church has bought into. That if we build it, then people will come. It, it, it's this whole thing that if we, can, if we can make the church experience so amazing and so comfortable and so, you know, kind of palatable for, for those who are seeking then, then, then we are going to be able to grow and, and be the church that, that we want to be. But the truth is that we're not called to build a church. Jesus says, I will build my church. And he's going to build his church upon the revelation that people know that he is the Messiah. We want to build a relevant church that's attractive to, to the outsiders uh, that, is, that is sensitive to all seekers. Americans want to build a, a, a church that focuses on things that matter to the culture. Not matter to the king, but matter to the culture. And, and, and most of all, provides an amazing Sunday experience for all who attend. In other words, move over, Jesus. We got this. I don't see the early church using the thing that we use in order to attract people to attend a Sunday service. I trip out all the time, and there's, there's times I still struggle, right? So, like, we'll be here, we'll be worshiping, and sometimes, you know, um, one of the pastor's kids will run to the front and, like, interrupt worship. And as a pastor who wants the service to be all nice and neat, like, I get frustrated, right? Like, man, whose kids are these? Probably half of them are mine. But, right? And, and so, so we, we want all this stuff. But I, and then I, and then I, th- I have to have a, a quick flashback and say, okay, Lord, what was church like in the, in the first century? I mean, there's probably goats running around. And, and like, I, I can't imagine what the early church looked like. And we're so consumed about what, how nice and neat it is. May we be remi- reminded that church is a lot more than just a bunch of talented people who can pull off an hour and a half production on a Sunday morning. It's so much more. It's so much more. We want to build so that they will come. But Jesus is saying, I will build my church, listen friends, so that you can go. This is who we're called to be, a going people. This is what an apostolic people is. And I know we get freaked out by the apostolic word, but that's apostolic means to be sent, the sent ones. God has released us. And, he's, and Jesus is saying, let me focus on building my church. You focus on getting people to be a part of this thing. I want to send you to the highways and the byways. We're going to get to that in, um, next week, so I won't stop. Uh, when we planted RLA 12 years ago, um, the Lord challenged me on the kind of church that we're going to be. Because when you're starting a church, I mean, you're starting from scratch, right? 
And you get to dream about what it's going to look like. And, and we had a list of things. So we came uh, from Turning Point Church uh, that was in Ontario at the time. And we planted back into East L.A., our hometown. And so we were thinking, like, what kind of church we want to be? And so, you know, obviously we, we started a list. And our list first started with all the things we weren't going to be, right? And, it, and it's Steve Barr, uh, if you know Steve Barr, our friend Steve Barr, who was here last, uh, no, earlier this year, he, he said, hey, write down everything that you would do different than Turning Point. <laughs> so, I mean, when you're a son in the house, I mean, you're always thinking about, ah, I would do that different, I would do that different. So now we're planning a church. We get to do things different. And we find ourselves doing things a lot of the same because they were actually biblical, right? So go figure. Um, so, so we get to dream about the kind of church we want to be. And it, it, was, it was really quick that the Lord revealed to us, not just me, to us, of what kind of church we were going to be. We weren't going to be the church that's standing at the pearly gates saying, come and join us. It's so beautiful over here. That we were going to be the church that was storming the gates of hell and snatching people out of an eternal flame of fire separated from a loving God. And I'm telling you, those are two church models, friends. We can be the church at the pearly gates and saying, look how beautiful it is. Don't you want to be a part of this? Or we can be actually the church that goes into the highways and the byways to the nations and finds those who are desperate to encounter a loving God. That isn't a corporate thing, friends. That's a me thing. And that's a you thing. I will build my church so that you can go. Um, maybe, maybe we haven't caught that heart yet, or maybe you haven't caught that heart yet. And I just want to encourage you to stick around and let Jesus do some work because I really believe we are on a, on a cusp of God doing some amazing things to the life of our church. Number two, the church that Jesus is building, listen, friends, loves the builder more than the building. I'll say it again. The church that Jesus is building loves the builder more than the building. There are churches that are operating today. Listen, I'm not pointing out things and names. This is the spiritual sense that I get as I observe the church. And so I'll never give you a pastor's name. I'll never give you a name of a church because it's, it's not important. But I really believe there are churches that are operating today, listen, friends, that are in love with themselves. There's churches that are in love with themselves. And, and, and I, I want to also re remind us, it can't be all about RLA. And because that's us corporately, we have to break that down. It can't also be all about you put your name in there. Because a church that is in love with itself starts somewhere. And I believe that starts with the microcosm of the church, which is the individual. And so if you get a, a narcissist leadership that is in love with themselves, eventually that church is going to be in love with themselves because that's what it will breed. But this is also why we cannot banter or, or, or cater, sorry, to the culture. Because if we're catering to the culture, then all we're doing is spoon feeding and loving on people in the way that they want to be loved. And we never become a biblical church. A church that is in love with herself will lose her way. 
We will start making decisions to please people rather than God. We, we will stop allowing scripture to be the standard because it's offensive. We won't tell people the truth because we don't want attendance to drop. I'm telling you, if you want to you shrink your church, you preach, about, you preach about sin and you preach about money. Your church, you, you'll lose attendance. Because people don't want to hear about those things. They, they want to hear about how God is going to make their life better. And I'm telling you, let God deal with your sin and honor the Lord with your money. You're, you're going to experience some good things. Those are other sermons. Here we go. Listen, if we're catering to the culture, we will eventually create an ecclesiology pleasing to man, but detestable to God. But are we going to be the church that Jesus is building? Or are we going to be the church that, that we're building? To do so, we have to be in love with the builder. Not in love with ourselves, not in love with, with our buildings, and not look, look at what we have done. Second Timothy chapter three, verse two reads like this. And remember, this is the Apostle Paul. He's warning a young pastor who's leading a church. This is Timothy. He's telling him, Beware. But understand this: that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. How many of you believe we're in times of difficulty? For people will be lovers of self. Lovers of money, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving, good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having the appearance, listen to this, friends, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people. I'm telling you, this can creep into the church easily if we are not in love with, if we are more in love with, with the building than we are with the builder. Revelation chapter two, verse one through five reads like this. Listen, friends. To the angel of the church in Ephesus, the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven gold lampstands. This is the word of the Lord. Verse 2. I know your works. And so this is, this is the revelation of John. This is Jesus revealing himself to the apostle John and foretelling the things that are to come. A lot of people stay away from the book of Revelations because it's scary and all that kind of stuff. I'm telling you, the book of Revelation should excite the church. It should excite the church. Jesus is coming and he's coming for his church. He's, he's coming for us. But he's giving a warning to this church, this church in Ephesus. And he says, I know your works, your toil and your patient endurance and how you cannot bear with those who are evil but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and you have found them to be false. I know that you are enduring patiently and, and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. If we just stop there and pause there, that sounds like a pretty amazing church. I mean, these people are working for the Lord. They're not putting up with evil. They're enduring. I mean, they're pressing through. It sounds like a pretty good church. Verse 4. But I have this against you. I have this against you. That you have abandoned, 
abandon the love that you had at first. You have abandoned the love that you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the, the works that you did at first. If not, I will come to see you and remove your lampstand. Can you imagine this is Jesus saying, I'm going to remove your lampstand. You're not going to function as a church anymore. That lampstand is going to be lifted from you if you're not going to put me in my rightful place. Unless you repent. I know your works. I believe the American church works hard for Jesus. At least they believe they do most of the time. Hard workers. Your struggles and endurance. I mean, it's not easy to be a part of a local church. It's not easy to, to allow yourself to be, to be intimate and attached to, to a, a strange group of people that becomes like family and to allow them into your lives and you to be a part of theirs. And then you, 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 you expend like everything, your, your emotions, your time, your energy, finances. I mean, it, it, it's not easy to be a part of a church. call out evil and aren't growing weary man but I have this against you you've abandoned the love that you had at first you see church this is going back to a Sunday school message that I would give the children there's two great commandments two great commandments that Jesus gave us and the first one is Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, all of your strength, with your entire being. Love Jesus. And as Jesus is taking a look at this church, this church that somehow began to build away from who he was. They begin to fall out of love with Jesus and fall more in love with themselves. And they're doing amazing things. I'm telling you, the church in America is doing amazing things. I mean, the, the missionaries, we are sending around the planet. And I mean, you just think of the finances that we are sending to, to nations and cities and communities. I mean, doing amazing things. But is the church still in love with Jesus? Are you still in love with Jesus? Is your, is your relationship with Jesus more than an hour and a half Segment on a Sunday morning. Are you in love with Jesus? Because if you're not in love with Jesus this morning, my encouragement to you and to us is that we need to find ourselves back in love with Jesus. And we need the way to do that is we need to go back to what we did at first. Jesus is speaking to the Apostle John and he says, or, and as he's revealing this, he says, Remember. Do you remember what it was like when you first encountered Jesus? Do you remember what it was like when you first gave your life to the Lord and you asked him to forgive you? You repented of your sins and, and you entered this, this, this pure relationship with him and he accepted you as a son and as a daughter. And he says, I remember your sins no more. You're forgiven. 
We get to start with a blank slate, and now it's you and me, and I want to spend time with you, and I want to know you. But not only does he want to know you, he wants you to know him. Do you remember that? Do you remember when you used to, to want to read your Bible and you would, you would, you would wake up excited to, to, to read the word of your father? And do you remember what it was like to be excited about worship and, and, and when you would raise your hands and when, as you would sing to the Lord and, and use your voice and, and make a joyful noise and, and, and tears would come down because you're experiencing his presence and, and, and somehow it just all becomes a chore. But at least I was at church Jesus is saying, I want you to remember because the church that I am building is in love with me. The church that I'm coming for is in in love with me. I want you to remember, and if you've fallen from that, if you've fallen away from that and this church thing has just become a thing that you do and a, a little check on your book or a little stamp on your passport, if this is something that you're doing, then Jesus is asking us to do something and it's called repent. And that word repent means change of direction. If all you're doing is working for Jesus and I'm working for Jesus and I'm going to church, then Jesus is saying, repent from that. Come back to me. Come back to me. Come and spend time with me. Come back and do, listen, the work you did at first. What's our first work? Love the Lord your God. That's our first work. That's the church's First work, to love the Lord your God. If you're a volunteer here in the life of our church, I thank you so much for the work that you do with us. If you work with our kids, if you work with our worship team, if you work with our youth or in hospitality, all of our tech guys, I mean, if you work here in the life, I'm so thankful for the work that you do. But if you only show up on your days of work and you're not here on other days so you can just simply be with Jesus, I would ask you to stop doing those other things so that you could just be here to spend time with God. If the only time you feel like you're on fire for the Lord is when you're doing something for him and not just being with him, friends, I'm going to encourage us. We, we need to fall back in love. with the head of this church. His name is Jesus. This is why we're here. This is who we're doing it for. It's for him. And if we're going to be the church that he is building, listen, friends, that we have to be more in love with the builder than we are with the building. We are the bride. And the bride should be obsessed with the bridegroom. Not with ourselves, and, and, and maybe you guys have seen that Bridezilla kind of show. Have you seen that thing? Wow. See, have you, have you, you know what that is? It's like they, they do a wedding show and it's all, you know, these brides are out of control. You know, they want everything to be perfect and it's all about them and everything has to be for them and it's the dress and it's the gown. It's the, every, every, it's, I mean, and honestly, this is something the church can, can be that. It's all about us. We're obsessed with ourselves and we're obsessed with our gown and we're obsessed with how we're going to look to everyone. And we need to be obsessed with the bridegroom, with the coming king, and his name is Jesus. This is our first work. And this is what the church that Jesus is building looks like. Do you want to be a part of that?
If you guys can close your eyes this morning. RLA desire to be the church that we see in scripture I mean we're 2,000 years removed there's a lot of cultural things that we do different we have instruments and we have microphones and we have stuff but we want to keep that primitive heart church The apostles gave their lives for their Savior. You think about all of the Christians who have been martyred throughout the centuries. They haven't done it for a church and they haven't done it for a person. They've done it for Jesus. And it wasn't because it was a romantic notion to die like one would die for their country. They did it because they loved Jesus. They loved him. They knew him. They walked with him. And that same intimacy has been made available to each and every one of us. And if you know Jesus, then you know that he loves you and you know that he died for you and you know that he has forgiven you. And if you have received and accepted that forgiveness and he is Lord of your life and he is asking you to stay in love with him and continue to do your first work first. I'm gonna give you guys a moment. If anyone needs to repent, as the scriptures call us to. I would ask you to make that decision today. Say, Lord, I, I turn from, from that second work that I was focusing on. And I turn back towards you, Jesus. I turn from the works of my hands and I do the works of my heart and that is to love you, Jesus. CD. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, we repent and we turn back to you. We don't just set our gaze upon you, we set our hearts upon you, our affections, our love, our attention. We give it to you. Forgive us, God. Forgive us, God, for trying to build your church 
when you have been so busy at work. Forgive us, God, for trying to put up tapestries and things that are appealing to the culture. May we be fixated on you, Jesus. Just longing and waiting for your commands. What you say, we will say. Where you go, we will go. Where you send us, we will travel. Because we love you. This morning, I just would love to give an opportunity to anyone in the room who has not accepted Jesus into their heart. It's a simple thing, but it's also very profound. And the reason why it's simple is because the Bible says that if we ask for forgiveness and we ask Jesus into our hearts, that we will be saved. And what makes it so simple is that Jesus paid the price. He died on the cross so that he can forgive us of our sins. The price has been paid. We don't have to do anything to earn the love of God or or to earn the sacrifice of God. It has been given to us freely and all we need to do is believe. And that's what makes it so profound. It's because once you do that, then you enter into a relationship with God, a relationship you were always supposed to have. This is what we were created for. Before. We were created to be with God in relationship with him. So if you've never said yes to Jesus and you want to say that today, if everyone's eyes are closed, I would just love for you to just raise your hand and say, yes, I want to ask the Lord into my heart today. Is there anyone like that this morning? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm just going to pray with you this morning. Is there anyone that I can pray with today? Awesome. I see your hand. Thank you so much. Is there anyone else that I can pray with this morning? Saying, Lord, I'm, I'm hearing the message and I want to respond. I want to ask you for forgiveness today and I want to ask you into my heart. If that's you, just raise your hand. I'll pray with you. If you want to pray with me, just you can repeat this after me. Lord Jesus. dying on the cross for me. I recognize that I am a sinner and I ask you forgiveness of my sins. I repent. I turn away from those sins and I choose to turn towards you. I accept you into my heart not only as my Savior, but also as Lord. Give me the strength to walk with you and to grow in you. I choose this day to enter a loving relationship with you, Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Let's give Jesus praise this morning. Awesome.
Yeah, we can give him a big praise. <laughs> Listen, if you said that prayer this morning, I believe that you have experienced the salvation of Jesus. If you've accepted Christ in your life, then your life is never going to be the same. And it doesn't mean you're not going to have any problems. It doesn't mean you're going to leave and, hey, man, all your bills are going to be paid and your gas tank's going to be full. It's going to be awesome. Uh, really what it means is that you now have this amazing opportunity to grow in the Lord and to walk a purposeful life in him. And we want to be here to help you with that. And so um, this is what a church does. We come alongside and, and we encourage, strengthen. If there's anything that you need from us, we would love to uh, be able to, to be here for you. Amen? Amen. Let's give Jesus praise again. That's good. Awesome. Hey, um, Val, would you mind coming up here? Bring the basket, please. That'd be good. So we, we have an opportunity this morning um, to do something that I, I really think is special. Um, and so we had, we had a family come and join us this week for VBS and um, with, with two um, small children uh, and um, a grandmother. And uh, the family is, is in some need today. Um, they're, they're looking for a place they, they've been displaced, and so literally they're without a home. I think they've been, been staying somewhere for the time being. But um, I really felt like today, um, this morning, we would be able to, to help them with something significant. And so um, what I'm going to ask is, is if the Lord puts it on your heart, and I pray that he will, um, that you would really be willing to donate to this family. Um, we want to be able to just give this directly to them, and so cash would be helpful. Um, they are here today, and so we are going to give this directly to them. And so um, we just want to be able to help this family if we can. And so, um, Lord, we um, receive this offering um, because you are good, and you've called us to care for those in need, those amongst us. And so, Lord, we pray that uh, as we take up this offering that uh, we'll be able to generously bless this family who's in need today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you're willing, please, if you can come and uh, bring it to the basket, we want to be able to give it to that family. Uh, we love you guys. Have a wonderful weekend. Uh, pray for me. I am flying out to Denver, Colorado today. Um, tomorrow I am going to be preaching at a national youth conference in Fort Collins, on Colorado State University, to a bunch of teenagers. And so I'm excited about that. Um, and then rise up. Parents, uh, you will meet. If you can meet back in the back around um, the tall table, that's where we'll be meeting there for you guys. And we'll talk to you guys soon. Bless you guys.